Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Today's warehouse needs to keep inventory moving smoothly and quickly. Meet these challenges with on-demand warehouse labeling from Brother Mobile Solutions. Our mobile and industrial printers will help optimize your operations to achieve the speed, reliability, and durability your warehouse needs. With easy integration for existing warehouse technology, convenient portability, and upfront affordability, Brother Mobile Solutions is at your side when it comes to warehouse labeling. Try one for free today by visiting brothermobilesolutions.com slash newwarehouse or click the link in the show notes. That's brothermobilesolutions.com slash new warehouse to try one for free today. The New Warehouse Podcast hosted by Kevin Lawton is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. On today's episode, I am going to be joined by Pete Warhurst. He is the CEO and founder at Red Rover, also previous founder of Pods as well. He's been in the moving and storage business for quite some time, and we're going to talk to him about kind of his his journey there and how he got into the moving and storage business, but also some of the logistical challenges that are involved on that side and also how some storage units and and storage facilities are being leveraged and utilized for fulfillment warehousing space additionally as well. So Pete, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. Yes, good to have you on. I'm definitely interested to talk to you about this. Obviously, your your companies, I've seen them all over, utilized pods in the past myself as well. So tell us a little bit about kind of your your background and and how you really ended up in this, the moving and and storage business and and focused on this industry. Sure. Yeah, it goes back several decades, but I was involved in a software platform that I ended up selling back in the mid 80s. Mm. to Bell Atlantic, who is one of the baby Bells now, AT&T, I think, what then. But I thought I had retired and got a little bit bored. I think I was about 40 years old, got bored and set out to uh, find something to keep me occupied, something I could at least go and kick the tires of and and opened a traditional mini storage on the side of the street, maybe a quarter of a mile from my home. Yeah. Um, And uh, that mini storage, uh, was my first introduction to any form of storage industry or business. And it, it was going extremely well and decided I wanted to open a second one. And with the absence of the right piece of property in a proximity to my home, just came up with the idea of what if we brought the storage to the house? And that mm. those uh, words were the beginning of our creation of pods um, yeah. back in uh, mid nineties, I guess it was at that point. 
And, you know, I think what really got me into and convinced me that pods had a, a model that could be taken nationwide was I, I decided that, you know, if somebody wants to use a mini storage and if you, if you know the mini storage industry, they usually can draw customers from about a three mile radius. Well, when we started pods, we realized that we could draw customers from a 25-mile radius. And, and right. the theory there is, is that customers aren't going to drive by three or four other mini storages to come to yours for no good reason. You know, they're going to go within that three-mile radius and find their own uh, mini storage there. Uh, with pods, we were able to deliver the container to the residential homeowner 20, 25 miles away. So, therefore, it got rid of that three-mile barrier. But the underlying economics of the, of the pods business was if I can deliver this container and then bring it back to a, a central warehouse, at the time I think I was charging about $15 a square foot for the container on an annualized basis. Mm-hmm. And at the time I think I could rent warehouse space for about 5 or $6 a square foot. Right. But I cubed out the warehouse. So that's really the economics of the portable storage industry, right? Mm-hmm. You can take and stack your containers three or four high, depends on who the manufacturer of the containers are and the, and the size, obviously, of the warehouse. But if I can stack a container three high at $15 a square foot, I was generating $45 a square foot for what I was uh, paying $5 a square foot. So oh, wow. cubing out a warehouse, right? Yeah. The, the difficulty there was finding the warehouse that could support three or four high with the right column spacing and things like that. But that was sort of the, the, the driver for me to create pods um, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And, you know, it just made economic sense. And we really didn't think anything of moving, moving people across town or across country. It was really the economics of a container in a warehouse stacked. High and and not having to find the real estate and all those issues that went around it, so that was sort of what drove it. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, and you know, obviously in the the warehousing space, we're talking about maximizing the the cube as as much as possible all the time, and and utilizing that space to to maximize it. And, and obviously you, you found a great way to to do that from a, a storage perspective. So I, I'm curious, you know. For the initial kind of challenges there logistically, I mean, you know, if you look at the containers that you guys had, had developed and, and were utilizing, dropping off, and then the customer loads them up, basically does uh, most of the work in, in that sense, right? And, you know, I, I mentioned I, I've used it before and I did most of the, the work. It was for my mom, actually, to move from New Jersey down to down to Florida. She got one and, you know, I was in college at the time and I'm like, you're not going to hire movers? And she was like, no, I have you and your, your college friends. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> Military okay, volunteer. Okay, huh? then. All right. So, yeah, so definitely, you know, went through the whole experience and, and experience. And I mean, it made a lot of sense and you know i think too that allowed you to go at your the cadence that you kind of wanted to as well with the the moving side of things but i'm curious like those initial uh logistical challenges i mean it sounds like you had some challenges finding ideal space but you were able to find it and maximize that cube but what about on the the transportation side because it's a pretty unique model and, and solution to you know get that container into a place where typically, I guess you wouldn't have a container delivered, right? In a driveway, parking spot, something like that. So tell us a little bit about kind of the beginning there, how you started to figure out that that transportation aspect. 
Well, yeah, we knew we knew we had to deliver the container, and there was really nothing out there, no existing technology that I was comfortable with. You know, a lot of people uh, use the roll-off, like a tow truck roll-off bed. Um, my objection to that was that you have to tilt the container in order to slide it off the, the truck bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leading edge hits the driveway and can damage the driveway, yeah. um, and everything will, will tumble inside. We were letting the lay people um, actually pack these things on their own. As you say, over time, we set it in the driveway. So we, our first step was, was we had to figure out how to do the delivery and, and get it in the driveway. And you know, at the time, we, we actually dropped this product in between U-Haul and the full-service mover. So our, our thought process was, there's two choices if you want to move and or store. And, and very candidly, we didn't think so much about the moving side of it as it was renting a U-Haul, packing it, taking it to a mini storage and unpacking it. Um, we thought that, you know, this was a better solution. So we dropped um, the portable storage industry in between the, the full service mover and, and U-Haul. And both those industries uh had and probably still do have some bad uh, reputations and and mm. there was there was room for change there are 80 100 year old industries that really had no competition so there was room for change there when we set out we thought we'd have 100 boxes in the clearwater st pete tampa bay area that we'd put put in the warehouse and and we would deliver them to the driveway, and some people would keep them on the driveway, which was a great supplemental um, revenue for us. We didn't have to take them back to to a warehouse and store them, so we handled them less often, and we didn't have to warehouse them in a, and, and pay for uh, rent um, to stack them in the warehouse. They just sat on the consumer's driveway. So, you know, one of the big advantages, as you just said, is we could give the consumer a container that could sit in the driveway for an extended period of time, they could load it up, and we would haul it away and, and put it in, in a warehouse for them. Uh, by doing that, we saved them a lot of time and energy. You talked about having to pack. You know, well, if you had to go and unpack again at a mini storage, we saved. We cut that piece of labor out of it. Well, without even recognizing it, all of a sudden we had a customer say, I'm up in North County. I want to move to South County. Can you re-deliver it someplace else? And we said, mm. Sure. Never thought of it. So the consumer dragged us into that industry. And then what happened is somebody was in South County and they said, I want to move across to another county from St. Pete over to Tampa and that customer. So we moved that customer. And before we knew it, we had people like your your mom where they wanted to move from the north to the south. And we had to have that footprint. So we sort of got pulled into the different aspects of the business by the consumer's demands. And it's amazing that we still find people that find creative ways to use our products to, to store either in or outside of warehousing. Um, and so, you know, I think the, the, the real crux of the, of the consumer drive was mm-hmm. their appetite to do something different with the boxes. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And, and definitely, you know, interesting to, to hear, I, I think the evolution and kind of the, the story and, and, 
proof of uh, listening to the the voice of the consumer, essentially, and and you know, kind of letting that guide you a little bit to how does the business evolve and, and how does that def- definitively kind of look like, and you know, being able to to be flexible in that sense and, and make that happen for what the consumer wants, and obviously, it's it's worked very well um, for you guys. And now, tell us a little bit about because um, uh, you you had pods, right? Was the was the start, and now you're um, doing Red Rover. So tell us a little bit about. Red Rover, what is the, the current project, and, and what are some of the, the differences there? Well, thanks. Yeah, you know, Red Rover uh, is really uh, was created because of hindsight. You know, we, mm-hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty. If we could have done things differently at Pods, we're doing them differently at Red Rover. The biggest driver for Red Rover is with Pods, the consumer's paying two to $500 for all the delivery and handling fees. And the company um, doesn't make any money on that. It's a break-even proposition for them. I, I went to Pod's 20th anniversary to to uh, to say a few words, and I met with up with the, the CFO, and I said to him, I said, are you guys making any money on the delivery? And we always thought as we had density, we could go from house A to house B a block away, and then you know back to the warehouse. Uh, we thought we would optimize the routing and all those things. Um and the delivery portion would become a profit center within the business. Well, the CFO confirmed to me that they still were not making money. It was a break-even proposition. And if there was one piece of the business he would love to get rid of, it was, it was the delivery services. Yeah. And so that was sort of the driver for, for Red Rover. And, you know, at, at pods and at any of the portable storage companies, yeah, they have the issue of showing up late, putting the container in the wrong place. The driver hits the mailbox or cracks the driveway or all these types of mm-hmm. issues that can happen. And the consumer is paying for this service. So there's a high frustration levels and it's a huge customer dissatisfaction. And um, because of that, you know, I said, what if we could eliminate the drivers, the doing all the deliveries. And you know, I talk about Tampa Bay all the time because I know it probably the best, but there's probably, probably 45 drivers on the road for pods today okay. um, doing deliveries. And, and so the cost of that logistics and the, and the complexity around that logistics causes all sorts of problems. Under the Red Rover model, we allow the consumer to drive the vehicle themselves, much like a U-Haul concept, right? And that's really who when we started Red Rover. That's who we were going after is U-Haul. Um, so what happens is in our model, the consumer can book a a truck with a container on it and they can come to one of our facilities, have access through a code, a gate code, drive in, pick up the truck, drive it home. If it's, if it's a ramp truck and we have two styles of trucks, one's a ramp truck where it's similar to a U-Haul where the ramp goes down and you can load the door, load through the doors. In our model, though, the doors can be anywhere around the truck. So our ramp actually traverses around the truck bed so that you can put it down on the side for a door or on the back for a door, you know, lay it down in, the, in a, on a sidewalk or on a porch and, and have direct access in. So that's one style of truck, and that's what we first started out with. And so the consumer can get that truck, drive it home, and have it for 16 hours at home and load the container up and bring it back. Again, they don't have to unload it in mini storage, or if they want to ship it across town or across country, it can go into a warehouse, get stacked, climate controlled, and then get shipped later. 
So that product has taken off, but we also heard from the consumer that they still want to have the container in the driveway for a yeah. longer period of time, right? And and maybe they don't want to ever ship it back to a warehouse. They're doing a remodel and they just want it there. So we've recently released a new uh, truck that we call our Retriever. And that allows the consumer to, uh, one of two things, we'll, we'll deliver it for a fee if they just don't mm-hmm. want to drive the truck. But but the real ambition is for the consumer to come and get that truck, drive it home, and they can literally push one button and the container will lift itself off the truck, really? set itself in the driveway, and the, the lift says some of the retriever part of the truck will pack itself back up and they bring us the truck back. So they can have the truck for a couple of hours, take the container home, set it in the driveway, and then reverse that process when they want to bring the container back to us, either full or empty. So they back up, you know, they get the truck and they back up and they can push that button and lift the container and and bring it back. So nobody else to our knowledge in the world can allow a consumer, a non-trained consumer, go and get a truck and set a 10,000-pound container in the driveway, (laughs) right? Um, And so that really is our our unique offering within the Red Rover model. Mm. It allows us to eliminate all the drivers, and that's not 100% true because we we will deliver if the consumer wants to pay us to deliver it. Mm. But it, it does reduce uh, a lot of the logistics, a lot of the headaches. And, and now if the consumer takes the truck and, and backs into the driveway and runs over the mailbox, as opposed to me getting a complaint, they yeah. call me and they say, geez, I hit the mailbox. And uh, I say, gee, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope you didn't hurt my truck. And so it reverses the role, right? We're never <laughs> late. The consumer yeah. can come anytime, day and night, get the truck, drive it home, unload it. And we're never late. We never put it in the wrong place, and we never hit the driveway or crack the, you know, yeah. or, or the mailbox or crack the driveway or anything else. So we've shifted the responsibilities to the consumer, but that means we've also empowered the consumer. Yeah, to, more flexibility. To, yeah. A lot more flexibility, and so it's a direct competition for, with the U-Haul platform, right? Mm. They can go get a U-Haul truck, drive it home. Yeah. The problem is they have to either bring the truck back right away. Or they can't leave the truck in the driveway for months on end, mm. or they have to take it to a mini storage and unload it, or drive it across town or across the country. So we've given the consumer best, the best of both worlds: um, a portable container and the ability to do it a hundred percent on their own. And, and that's mm. really what's setting Red Rover apart. That's really interesting, and I, I mean, I think it's it's interesting too. I think you know you can see from your your journey with Pods and now also Red Rover. I mean, how much you're in tune with and, and listen to the consumer and really understand like what your your customer is looking for and then and then addressing those needs. So I, I'm curious, I mean, on the container side and for Red Rover, you know, the fact that the, like you said, the, you know, the customer who is probably typically never unloaded or, or handled the container can do it themselves with the push of one button. I mean, uh, what went into trying to figure out that, I guess, engineering and, and putting something like that together to be able to make it that, that seamless for somebody that's, you know, probably 95% of the time never dealt with containers in their exactly, life. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that was that was the ambition is to make it so simple that mm-hmm. anybody can do it. You know, male, female, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If, if you're comfortable driving a U-Haul truck, mm-hmm. our trucks are actually much better. They have lane departure mm-hmm. warning and collision avoidance and, and backup cameras and all these these safety things on them. Um, 
So I've been I've been very fortunate. A lot of the people that were with me at Pods are with me today at uh, Red Rover. One of them is the gentleman that helped develop the the lift system for Pods, okay. and uh, he he worked on the original ramp system, and he designed and built the retriever system, and we built a prototype. But we knew that it needed to be even more simplistic to, than what he could do himself. So we've hired two engineering firms, one in Texas, one in, in um, Florida, and spent upwards of five, six, seven million dollars on engineering of a system that is simplistic and safe. We've built in every safety measure we can think of. It's sort of a dead man switch if, if the consumer doing the delivery lets go of the button at any given time, it stops immediately. And so oh, wow. if a cat was to run under the, the container, yeah. they saw all of a sudden that it was going to hit a tree or something like that. A lot of safety there. The backup cameras show where the container is going to sit if they if they stop right there, or they park the truck there, where the container will end up on the driveway. Um, and, you know, I think the, the product will continue to evolve um, as we find idiosyncrasies out there in, in different uh, delivery scenarios, whether it's a slanted yeah. driveway or a gravel drive, whatever it might be, we'll find some idiosyncrasies and we'll add in, uh, enhancements to the package. But we've spent a tremendous amount of, of money on engineering to get this thing to where a consumer can do it very safely. And I'm sure there's going to be reluctance out of the gate, right? Can, uh, <laughs> can I really do this? Yeah. But as more and more people try it and the word spreads and they literally can see that it is a push of a button, and we think that the, you know, the acceptance will grow uh, rapidly. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. And I'm curious, I mean, have you thought as you're – you developed this system and, and obviously spend spent a lot of time on the engineering and, and making it so so simplified and safe and, and easy to use. I, I mean, have you thought about translating that technology and engineering into kind of the, the logistics warehousing space at all where you know containers are, are utilized all the time? We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I think it's going to be a lot like Pods was. The, the consumers and other industries will adopt our product over time. I, I am ambitious that we'll be able to license other users in different industries to use our, our product. So yeah, we, we give a lot of thought to it. We, we have a lot of thoughts around, you know, what's it going to look like 10 years from now and how does additional automation come into play so that we can attract more and more users from all different markets. Yeah, definitely. And I think I could definitely see 
that kind of evolving in some way and, and coming into our space, meaning the, the warehouse industry space, especially as, you know, we look at um, potential driver shortages and, and things like that. I mean, you know, if you're able to kind of bring a driver in and, and then unload that container pretty quickly off of the, the chassis or something like that, and then send that chassis back to go get another container. I mean, I could see some, some time savings there and more, more efficiency as well. So maybe, you know, maybe we'll take this offline and develop this together. We'll see. Yeah, no, Pete, I, but. <laughs> I, think I think there's a lot of opportunity there and, you know, technology mm-hmm. and automation is just so enhanced these days. I think of the warehouses that have the auto, automated crane systems and, mm-hmm. and things like that, where, you know, driver just pulls in and pushes a button and, and the, the crane removes the, the container, you know, yeah. not on, on similar to what we see at shipyards. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So I'd be curious to see kind of how that, that technology evolves definitely. And I, I'm curious too, I mean, on the, the warehousing side, fulfillment side, you know, obviously we're the new warehouse podcast. So we're talking about warehousing here. Um, and you're pretty uh, involved in the, the storage space, you could say, and I'm sure you, you pay attention to what's going on in the market there. Uh, I'm curious your your thoughts and kind of what you're seeing where, you know, we're seeing some companies that are, are utilizing like traditional storage units at a mini storage place or, or something like that, like you've been mentioning as almost like micro warehouses to do fulfillment out of or I've heard of some companies as well utilizing storage units to store like spare parts for their techs to be able to quickly pick up or fulfill parts orders and things like that. I mean, what what are you seeing happening in the space around that? And and what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, again, I think the the consumers are are pulling us uh, into different arenas. The, The mini storage of the warehousing that are using containers it's something that is, I think, evolved over the last ten or fifteen years, and mm-hmm. and uh, steel cargo containers have always been out there, and a lot of people have used those. But these new portable containers, that you know, they run from eight foot to twenty foot portable containers, uh, I think, are a little more appealing in a mini storage. I think that it also helps uh, the operator to avoid um, zoning regulations and things like that, where they may not be able to physically build a, a storage facility, but they can store containers outside. So I know a lot of people have, have done that to, to circumvent the zoning regulations in various communities. So that's one of the aspects of it. A lot of people are, are using containers these days for events. Spirit Halloween, I know they, they have pop-up stores every year for Halloween. Right. Um, they load their, their inventory into a container. It goes into a warehouse. And so they, they load once, unload once, and it acts as a, as a mini warehouse for them. And so their logistics department does that. Uh, fireworks companies uh, use mm-hmm. containers for similar reasons. You know, they can pack once, unpack once, and it gives them dry storage um, throughout the course of the year when they're not using their pop-up tents and stuff for 4th of July or New Year's, whatever it might be. So you're right. Um, uh, Other people are using them for logistics of shipping product across country, whether it's a a cabinet mat manufacturer or something like that that will do a job for a, a, a consumer 
uh, new construction home or kitchen or whatever it is, they'll load it into a container, let it sit in the warehouse until the contract is ready for it, have the container delivered mm. to the job site, and they can unload it. So there's probably a million different ways you can use a container and take advantage yeah. of the technology, and the, the consumers are figuring it out for themselves. Hmm. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially as we, we look at, you know, there's just higher demand for, for warehousing space. And, you know, it's tough to, to find, like you said, like temporary space that you might need for, for like certain holiday things, like you said, spirit Halloween and then for the fireworks situation. So being able to have that flexibility and especially too, as like somebody like, like spirit Halloween, for example, you know, they they just grab, uh, they seem to have a different storefront every year, right? It's not the same reoccurring thing. So, so they're not necessarily knowing exactly where the, the best positioning to have a, a permanent warehouse location would be. So it makes sense to, to be able to utilize those containers and, and have that flexibility. So really interesting kind of to, to think about the industry and, and kind of how it's evolved with, with kind of your, your very smart engineering here and utilizing the, the portable containers and, and really kind of bringing that to a consumer front, but also I think um, which will kind of translate over into the industrial side as well eventually. I mean, I think having that simplicity of being able to unload those containers, I mean, I could definitely see that translating in some way to coordinate with some type of automation in, in the future, whether it's with an automated truck now and then being able to utilize that system to unload that container at the same time or bring it onto the truck um, from an automation perspective, I think would be really, really interesting. So Pete, it was really great to have you come on the show and, and talk about your your life journey here with with Pods and, and Red Rover, which is very interesting and just a project out of retirement boredom. That's really impressive uh, <laughs> what you've built um, from that. So if people want to learn more about Red Rover, how can they do that? Then go to our website, www.redroversplural.com. And um, there's a lot of videos there um, showing the product and how it works and, and where we're currently servicing. Yeah, we've opened up about 15 markets across the, the U.S., um, we are just now launching our franchising program, so there's a lot of opportunity um, for additional growth. Uh, one of the challenges we have is in order to move people from point A to point B, we have to have facilities at both sides. So um, if, if people are interested in learning more about what we're doing or seeing a de demonstration of how the, the lift system works or the, or the ramp system works, uh, certainly go to the website. Um, there's numbers on there to contact us if you have questions and uh Hopefully, consumer, you'll use this one day. Definitely, absolutely. And I'm curious from the the franchise perspective. I mean, people that are listening obviously work in the warehousing industry. If they have extra warehouse space, I mean, would that be a good fit for a Red Rover franchise? It'd be an excellent fit. You know, one of our challenges is getting the right warehousing. You know, we want at least three high. Typically, the column spacing should typically be. 50 foot column spacing, uh, clear span, you know, uh, an ideal warehouse for, for a startup or a smaller uh, market is, you know, 20,000 square foot clear span, you know, 30 foot high mm. warehouse with a 20 by 20 door. I mean, uh, that that's, you know, the exact space we need. Um, but those people that have surplus space and, and want to sublet some, that's a, that's a great way for a franchisee or ourselves as a corporate location to to get started. And we're actually better off with 
more warehouses with smaller square footage. You know, a lot of the warehouses we've taken are 50,000 square foot warehouses. That's yeah. a lot to cover out of the gate. So people that have smaller facilities or want to sublet some, some space for a period of time, feel free to call us. All right, great. That's that's really good to know. And we'll definitely put all that information at the newwarehouse.com as well so people can easily find it. So Pete, thank you very much for coming on the show and, and sharing with us all about Red Rover. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from The New Warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for The New Warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.